Right, so first question, Robin. Why do you want to do this interview? Why did you say yes? Um, because um, I've avoided doing all interviews ever. Right. And I am very frustrated by the process or the rate. So I just said, fuck it, um, I'll do one. So I did do one. I did a interview towards the end of last year, I think, with Newsnight. Um, and that wasn't so terrifying, and they seemed to like what we were doing. So I guess I just opened up to the idea of doing interviews. I'm abs- thank you so much. I'm really flattered. <laughs> it's really well. The timing's perfect, so that's great. So, how would you define a maverick? How would I define a maverick? Well, I think it's a kind of um, it depends where you come from. So, a maverick, um, in, from my point of view, is just someone who doesn't give a fuck about the way things are done and would be more focused on following a course that is likely to bring about some kind of change, whether it be conventional change, business change, or other change, social change, um, that they deem to be important. So why do you think you're a maverick? Um, because I don't work for conventional businesses. I stopped doing that 17 years ago. Right. Um, I only work with people who don't have a chance, uh, uh, who compete at sort of market entry, um, in order to transform the way a market operates or uh, people see, uh, sorry, people engage with the business. So let me cut back. Um, why do I do this? Uh, really for the people, historically for the people I do it for. So I've been in fair trade 20 years. Right. Uh, not, not with the label, but with entrepreneurial businesses, some from scratch. So there's a brand in the UK called Capital Direct. I work with from scratch, it was a map and four people. Right. And it was selling poverty. And I started working with it and said, you can't sell poverty. Uh, we have to justify the premium. And to do that, you have to start thinking retail, because that's where your competition exists. So basically, I have... It's basically by following the ambition, uh, or working with an ambition or objective to change something, you have to do something different. True. If you don't do something different, you're not, um, because you're not going to change anything unless you do something different. Okay. So, so we actually created a strategy. The, the London School of Economics developed a maverickism scale. I'm going yeah. to I'm going to give you seven statements. You just need yeah. to say true, false, can't decide. Okay. People tell me that I'm a maverick or words to that effect. True. I have a knack for getting things right when least expected. True. I have a way of solving problems which is different from other people. True. Okay. I am much more productive than other people. True. I have very unusual talents. True. I am generally underestimated by people. Yeah. 
Oh, generally, I'm overestimated. Uh, no, I am underestimated by most people. That is true. Okay. Um, but not by the people I work with. Okay. I do things differently and better than most people when I work. Uh, I agree with the first half. Could you explain to me again why you do things differently in your business? I do things differently because if you want to change something, you have to do something different. If you do the same thing, yeah, don't change anything. Okay. And can you give me an example of what you do differently? You can give me the Cafe Direct one. At Core, yeah. we, I bring clusters of people together who wouldn't normally spend time in the same room. Right. Uh, to solve a problem. The problem will be potential client or a social problem or an environmental problem. Right. And I will bring 15 to 18 people I believe are relevant into the room. Right. They won't charge me for their time. Right. I will structure a three-hour conversation to solve a problem. They won't necessarily know the problem they're coming in to solve. Right. But they will give me their time to do it. So in three hours, we can break the back of a very complex situation or issue right. and point to a solution that is likely to work. Gotcha. And so, so by bring, because we operate, and I have operated for some time on a set of values, right. which are largely about social, economic, and environmental transformations. Right. Uh, we're, I'm, the business, I don't work for anybody I see as a troublemaker on the wrong side. So somebody who is ripping up rainforests I won't work with. Right. Uh, somebody's making women feel uh, have feelings of low self-esteem I won't work with. Right. Anybody's picking up an aspiration uh, which is unachievable is like to create uh, social um, division I won't do. So my next question is, is what you do equated to the bottom line or something else? Equated to the bottom line? Yeah. Christ, that um, no, not so. Okay. So, this could make things possible. Yeah. But it's not the purpose. Okay. Okay. Is any part of being a maverick to do with having autonomy over your life? Uh, not my life, my brain. Okay. Um, so my decision-making, I worked for 15 years for somebody else. I did reasonably well at it right. uh, in advertising. I did, was at the beginning of various big launches, in probably computer games in the UK, Sega, um, that went global, very fast, transforming game culture. Mm. So I've been part of those things. I was in the same agency, not on it, as Orange, when that was launched, watched that transformation. Right. Uh, much more quietly, a long time ago, I did the first work for Free Range Eggs. That was a long time ago, and it watched it ripple. So I've become very aware that you can change things. I'm very aware that you can change things. Generally speaking, you need a lot of money to do it, but that's not actually what you need. What you actually need is belief. You need people to believe it's possible. Okay. So if you can create a situation where people believe it's possible, things will change. So I don't find anybody I work with who is willing to believe as much as I do okay. that things can be different. Okay. 
and, and, yeah. you, and you've kind of started to answer the next question was does doing things differently require certain skills talents mindsets and if so what are they and what you said was um so one thing is belief anything yeah. else what else is needed to you know to do things differently story okay a good story uh, so if people believe yeah. you need a story that's it. that can be communi- a story that can yeah. be communicated and, and then you need impact evidence right. you need to be able to demonstrate to prove yeah. that the thing you've got people to believe in actually happens wonderful right? so you need those three things Okay. so you need belief, you need a story and you need impact if you get the belief right and you create the story and you get the impact that will drive belief that will drive story, that will drive impact that will drive belief you create a virtual mechanism, uh, which is social, which is cultural, and if it has the immense relevance, will create a phenomenon. Okay, thank you. And so, for yourself, what are the challenges to being a maverick? Pain. <laughs> pain? Pain. How much pain can you take? Okay. Okay, pain in what form? I'm, I'm assuming it's not physical. Um, I think it becomes physical. Right. It's definitely emotional. It's, it requires, from my point of view, everything you've got and things you didn't know you had. Right. To break through the kind of normal challenge, challenges of apathy, cynicism, don't careness. Okay. To, to break those, you have to go through some pain barriers. Okay. Uh, also, you have to accept that you may not make any money whatsoever. Okay, yeah, yeah. So then, then it becomes a different kind of pain. Yes. Which becomes inflicted on your family and friends. Okay. Um, and then there's all of that. And so to justify that level of pain that is involved in change, you have to be pretty sure you're doing the right thing. Okay, okay. What's been your lowest point of your journey as a maverick? Um, litigation. Okay. Um, uh, so if you're travelling a pretty sharp knife edge and someone much bigger than you decides to rip you off yeah. or to undermine your business because they don't give a shit, uh, you know, the amount of times, the lowest point, the, the biggest thing is litigation, for sure. Yes. Litigation has a way of killing you. Yes. It has a way of taking your attention, your time, your talent, and diverting it into what, you, what is most usually a cul-de-sac. Okay. So somewhere with, that's not going to go anywhere, but it absorbs everything you've got. Um, but the other thing, which I think is more, you know, it's thrown up quite a lot, which is um, debilitating, is the idea, even among thought leader kind of businesses and people, Mm. that we live in a dog-eat-dog world. Right. Okay. For me, I've never seen a dog eat a dog. Yeah. And I think these are kind of myths and legends that people use to protect their ivory towers. Yes, yeah, that and, makes sense. And smashing some of those ivory towers, or not smashing them, let's say demolishing them, yeah, 
um, is necessary in order to clear the landscape um, to, so you can progress. And I think, I think that's bringing me to the point. The point is, sometimes it's necessary to utilise your energy in what feels like a negative way. Right. Uh, so not, I don't have to just build things. I have to take things down. Yeah, yeah. And so the uh, last example, there's uh, lots of examples, but the big one for us was um, I created a brand strategy and concept for a UK business called Ecotricity. Okay. We developed their brand identity. Right. The brand identity was centred on a Green Union Jack. Right. The Green Union Jack has become quite well-known. Right. Um, and it was ripped off by another power company called EDF. Right. EDF is very big. Um, and they're a nuclear power company. They're a French-owned, government-owned nuclear power company. They're a major importer-exporter of coal. They right. got nothing to do with green. Right. They, so we had to take it down. We had to take them down. We had to stop them from yeah. using our creation yeah. um, that was to a green agenda. Because if, if EDF were to continue, they would create the kind of cynicism and possible to undo. So we had to... Well, it's not flattering when somebody rips you off. No. If it destroys your story, it destroys your business. Right. Somebody takes your story in our world, in any, any cultural world. Yeah. If somebody takes your story, they take your life. Yeah. You have to create another story. You can't create another story. Your story is your story. It's why you exist. It's what you've been. It's your heritage. It's your yes, history. Exactly. It, it, um, what aspects of your character or personality influence your maverick approach? I think I'm irritating. Okay. Um, I think I asked, you know, it's like, what's it about? What's life about? So you, you either go through it. Uh, making as much money as you possibly can so you can have a life, or you decide your life is in the best hours of your waking days, and that's your work. And yeah. for me, it's my work. Okay. So I, have, I ask questions of life or work, um, which maybe other people wouldn't bother with. Okay. okay. It's not important. Are you born or bred a maverick? Well, I had an interesting dad who was a journalist um, and a campaigning journalist. Not big time, but he, he made some significant impact on lots of things, right. child protection and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and so I think there's a large dose of it comes through just, you know, growing up in an environment where people ask questions all okay. the time about okay. everything. Uh, and that's inherited. Okay. I think I, think I have another bit of me which maybe from my mother yeah. which is about caring yes and I really do care a lot what did your mum do? well she was a librarian okay she, but um, yeah so uh, and he's only just retired at 75 because she had to okay. but she loves books she loves literature she loves being around people she loves the whole educational thing okay but but no, I think it's about, uh, I'm, I care passionately about things. And when you look out the window and you see the shit we're living in, yeah. 
and the way people are treated. And, you know, I wanted to help. Um, there's an uh, Occupy. Um, they've just done a, 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 they just pitched up on the outside of Westminster, on the Westminster Green. Mm-hmm. And they've been there for nine days. And I would love nothing more than to be able to help Occupy. But uh, at the moment, I can't. It's round the corner, but I can't do it. It's very frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I've got so many things I need to deal with all of the time. Yeah. That doing something well is just not possible against a wire with so many other things on your plate. And yet they're a brilliant organisation, really opening minds and, and changing opinions. And they're so dedicated and organised and intellectual and provocative. I think it's fabulous. You know, you see Occupy is a kind of... You know, it's always seems demeaning to call them a brand, but it is a brand. Okay. It's a brand of democracy, a brand of opinion. Okay. That kind of gets far voice, and I'd love to do that. So I'm attracted to things where there are challenges and difficulties and and things to be done. And um, I, I, I guess that that's what makes me do what I do. Okay. How is, now, you've, you've already shown me uh, uh, quite a few glimpses of this. But how is your enthusiasm and drive and energy related to being a maverick? I can always feel it bouncing off the screen with the way you're describing Occupy. Well, I'm a dog with a bone. It's just, you know, once you get a sniff of it, you just have to find it. And then once you've found it, you have to uh, really, I don't know what word is, dogs don't explore bones, but you you have to feast on it, I guess. Okay, okay. And and so I I will work with something um, until... I feel it's done, and when it's done, it feels it's a relief. Okay. So I know, I know when you're when I'm there. But when it's done, it doesn't mean the world's changed. It means you've done what you can do. Yes. Yes. With that opportunity, um, and you know, I had somebody upstairs today. A young guy just come in to join us as a work with us as a young planner, you know, the strategist, and he said he's a perfectionist, and so your immediate thought is you're never going to be happy. Mm-hmm. You know, but but hey, the world would be shit without perfectionists because exactly. it means people are striving towards something. Yes, which is better than what we have or what we put up with. So, you know, I think that I think that's that's inspirational. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Next question: How do you see rules? Uh, rules. Whose? I have my own. Yeah. Um. Uh, which are more or less purely moral. Yeah. In that, if you don't want to get fucked over by people, don't fuck people over. Uh, treat other people with respect. Um, things like that. But I don't have rules as in the way things work is right, mm-hmm. so obey them. I don't have those rules at all. I think... I think... Um, Rules are there to be tested. Okay, thank you. Have you always taken a maverick approach to business or was there a particular trigger? There was a trigger. What was the trigger? Um, I was earning a lot of money and feeling not at all happy. Um, And the only way in that position was up, Mm -hmm. which would have meant more money and less happy. Yeah. Um... 
and I am a creative person, a creative being. I live in that world. Mm -hmm. And the more money comes with less of that. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not, even if it's an educational role, that'd be great, but it's not that. It's a bullshit role. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think there was a point, there was a point I was, uh, I was doing, you know, well, I was working for, I never questioned life. Because I'd done well, you know. I, you know, started on nothing like everybody does in the advertising world. Everyone starts on nothing. You work your ass off to get anything. But when it clicks, you know, what an idea is, how you develop it, how you make it relevant, how you make it work, how you make it real, uh, when it clicks, uh, you start to earn quite a lot of money quite quickly. And you can be, you know, I think I may have said this, you can be like, 25, and it's not a lot of money now, but it's a lot of money then, 20 mm. years ago, earning £100,000 is a lot of money, and you can, having a convertible BMW in a nice house, yeah. with a barn out of the bag, that's a lovely world, um, but it crumbles very fast. So did you just get up one day and ask yourself the question, you know, or did something happen at work? Yeah, I wasn't that brave, I think there, there was a thing... The thing, I mean, I've always been scratchy. Yeah. And that is, I'm, not, I'm never going to, I, I will stay strong, mm -hmm. but I won't toe a line. If someone says something which is plainly bullshit, yeah. I, uh, I find it very hard to sit there and pretend they're God, you know. Okay. It's just plainly bullshit. Right. So I kind of, I've always had that. Right. And, and I've been able to work in a team, mm -hmm. uh, which maybe is a bit of a disguise. But if it works for you and you don't know any better, mm -hmm. then you kind of go with it. You just assume the role, you assume the position, you know, and you and you get on with it. And it works for everybody, so it's good. Okay. But I think what happened was I did a job for Mercedes-Benz, mm -hmm. a big international advertising agency. I was a senior art director. And they were giving me money to go and do what I wanted with their cars, Clint Eastwood's cars, other people's cars. Go and, go and shoot pictures, go and do great, lovely things that I wanted to do. In deserts, you know, Mojave yeah. Desert, you know, Australia outback. So it was great. And I, I got back uh, from this amazing job. Mm -hmm. It was amazing people. It was just freedom is what they gave me. They gave me freedom. Yeah. And it felt like it. And I got back to the agency to find the agency had fired the client and um, fired Mercedes. And, I, I, and it didn't add up. And when you, they explained why, because an account conflict with Fiat in South America, I went, this is fucking mad. Yeah. This is fucking mad. We've got, a, we've got an account which is about to go bananas. Yeah. They're so excited about the work we're doing. It's completely radical. Uh, Maverick may be like, radical. Yeah, yeah, same thing. It was going right to the heart of German engineering. It was beautiful in that the car became a woman uh, overnight with this thinking. Yeah. Uh, uh, based on a very old engineering concept. It was great. I really got excited by it. And they come back and they find it because of conflict with fear. It's just ridiculous. And to watch the work that we've done going to a skip, which is what used to happen when you fire a client, all the work goes on a skip out and back. Yeah. All that knowledge and experience and learning and almost touching, the stuff we were doing, almost touching art. It was really bold, bold work. And... Um, uh, 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 we had to have permission actually from, I don't know if you remember Bernard Levin, um, you know, big journalist, uh, Jewish journalist. We had to ask him for permission. He wanted, wanted to use the Ryder of Valkyries as a score 
in a Mercedes ad and he thought the agency thought it was going to upset too many people for obvious reasons Hitler and Wagner and Mercedes together in one idea was you know enough to explode a lot of minds so but anyway we wrote to him and he said art transcends politics it does and, and, uh, and so he put it in that bracket and, right. and I think he was talking about Wagner not about us but <laughs> But it was nice, and we had that kind of permission to go and do things which were really quite radical for us in the agency world. Okay. And to find it thrown in a skip um, the next week was just mind blowing, and I lost all faith or confidence or belief. Okay. As a, and the backbone to that was it wasn't like there wasn't anything else, you know. So I told you before, I think, when I was working pro bono for Capital Director, yeah, beginning, yeah. after a couple of years. I got out to Uganda to take some pictures, and meet some people mm-hmm. on the ground, and that was that was turnaround for me. It was um, you see the other end of the supply chain, yeah. And there you go, this is unacceptable. Yeah. So it was. It wasn't. That was. A, no, I would not say that was overnight. Really, that was yeah. an awareness that built. And I suppose what you do is compare and contrast it with the world you're in. Right. So you, kind of, you don't lose sight of that. It doesn't become your life. It's somebody else's life, but it's there. And when you get a shit situation like your life seems to be ripped up for a moment um, um, you just those things seem to grow in magnitude and importance and you tap into the things that are real okay now uh, are you so are it's you, probably a collision of circumstance okay now are you always a maverick or do you choose to be so at times like in this instance yeah no, I, I'm you know, uh, I, I'm pretty much me. I find it quite difficult. I can, I can you know, I've learned um, to lose gracefully. I'm still not very good at it. But do you turn the dial up and down, Robin? Like, in, like you're talking to me at the moment. You know I'm interviewing 100 Mavericks around the world. In this, yeah. in this case, I can be a 10 out of 10. And then tomorrow you might be going to work with a client and you completely believe in the, what they're standing for, but they might only be able to handle a four. Do you actually turn that dial up and down? Uh, um, I think I've got better at it. Right. But I have... Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not great at it, to be honest. I'm okay. pretty shit at it. And, um, I, I tend to listen to what I've been told okay. and respond accordingly. I, I can uh, grin and bear it, but I'm not good at it. It probably won't build a good relationship. I much prefer the kind of relationship when someone says, you know, like Penny Newman, who's a maverick, um, she used to work for Anita Roddick and then she went to Met Cafe Direct. I worked with her twice. Um, she would stand up and she would read the riot act. And you'd be in a meeting. I wasn't, I was, a, you know, I was working as a, you know, consultant, I guess, yeah. for her, as a, you know, brand developer. Um, but I was often in internal meetings and she would read the riot act. And I used to take it quite personally on other people's behalf and stand up and read the right act back to her but we got on very well and we right. still do and I, I think there is a respect I think if, if people suspect your um, what's the word the um, if your motivation yeah then you're in trouble but if people know what motivates you and you actually have their best interests at heart mm-hmm. 
then I think it's uh, you can contain that passion and the, the respect is not broken okay. by occasionally losing your rank. You know, I don't think it is or being over passionate. And passion is a difficult word. You know, a lot of people can't deal with it. Yeah, and uh, and don't want to. Um, uh, because life's too short. The rest of it, just get on with it, do the job, let's move on. Okay. You know, you're going to change companies anyway, so we'll just make the most of this one and see you at the next one. Okay. So, um, you know, it's all a bit bland. But um, okay. I'm, I, I, I stand my ground, I stand by my principles. The place yeah. I do I have, actually, in the past, to answer your question, Yeah. I got myself changed radically, is when I used to, I don't have a car anymore, but I, I used to build cars, old cars, um, for fun, and, um, and and if I went into a scrapyard to buy, I don't know, a gearbox or something, yeah, um, I would definitely assume the manner of the guy who runs the scrapyard, right? Because if I want to be ripped off, as <laughs> being ripped off, or somebody didn't know what he's talking about. So yeah, when you when I I do have um, not shape shift, but I yeah. will move towards somebody, okay. For sure. Okay. For sure. I do that with my wife, you know, she's a tough Warrington lass and she's, she has a very black and white um, nature and I will definitely move towards that black and white nature right. with her in order to understand her and be part of that relationship. So we definitely move towards the okay, relationship. That's a bit... So it comes down to a matter of uh, whether something's wrong or right. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, I'll have that argument. Uh, if, it, if that's what it takes, um, because there's absolutely no point. You know, Darwin des- described the uh, cul-de-sac. You know, mm-hmm. is, you know, there's absolutely no point going up it. There's no point at all. Yeah. Any your life going up cul-de-sacs, you know, you may as well just stop a bit early, take a rest, and move on when time's right. Okay. Uh, so so uh, yeah, so I'm political, yeah, but not so much so that it uh, would destroy a good piece of work. Okay. And what are the advantages and disadvantages of being a maverick in business? Um, the advantages are you meet great people. Yes. Um, I'm trying to think of another one. Um, the advantages are you great, meet great people, you get to do things which do feel life-enhancing and different. And so you, you get a creative experience that maybe a lot of people can't imagine, mm-hmm. actually. Yeah. But... Um, Disadvantages? So that, that's really rewarding, and you do get tired as well, so it's good to sleep. Yeah. Uh, I do sleep, but in terms of any normal, everyday, you know, not worrying about a mortgage, thinking about, you know, uh, whether you brought your kids up right, you know, all those kind of normal things, they can't, you really are compromised on that because you just find yourself, or maybe it's me, maybe it's not Maverick, maybe it's just me, yeah. I, I'm myself. As I say, I get immersed in things and I really want to take them apart and put them back together and make them work better. Actually, that's, well, it is something that a lot of the Mavericks have said. Yeah, yeah? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, it's good to find these things because I think these things are more useful than the people. You so, know, so, so, that's like, the, so that's the disadvantages. Yeah. Has age and experience altered your Maverick approach? And if so, how have you grown? Um, I don't. I think growing is a learning process. I don't think it's um, so. It's always keep learning, keep growing. Yeah. I think um, I've got loads of energy, uh, more than most. I just worked through two nights. Yeah. Um, um, 
Well, <laughs> I guess for um, 20 years ago, no one would let me in front of a client. Right. And now, and now, and now I work with CEOs. And I think choosing battles is not so much that for me. Yeah. It's just the, the things that I can focus on now. I don't get, I don't drink as much Stella. Right. <laughs> I don't drink any Stella. Right. So that helps. Um, I, my drinking is lightened a lot. I'm much more focused. Right. Um, I use morning hours really well. Yeah. Um, and I tend to focus more on solving the big picture issue. Okay. Rather than all of the detail, which might be this or might be that. Okay. So, so I tend to be more focused. Right. And I tend to put my time, uh, use my time more effectively. Right. And I don't, well, I'll tell you what the biggest thing is, probably. Yeah. I don't expect anything of anyone. Right. So, so I I expect people to be themselves and nothing more, nothing less. Okay. So I don't have the expectation. If somebody fucks up, I yeah. don't think they fucked up big time. I don't. It doesn't go to you know. I just go. They've done what they could do. You know. And I don't have. I don't apply me to other people anymore. And that's probably the biggest thing because I used to get really angry. Yeah. You put a lot of work into something and it disappears. And basically, I just didn't trust the people I was working with. Whereas now, I can see I'm more aware that actually, at the end of the day, you're working with people. Okay. And there are limitations uh, and great, you know, fantastic opportunities for people, but there are limitations and they're real. Okay. Now, and so, yeah, that's probably the growing up I've done, just okay. to be more aware of other people. And your company's host Universal, yeah? Two companies. Two companies. Um, once I've got the virtual company, which is called Host Universal. Right. And that's a um, brand development business working purely for ethical right. clients. So socially or environmentally driven clients. So you have to have a social environment. Right, clients. okay, yeah. I, that bit I know. So the, yeah. And the other company? And the other company is called Sohost, as right. in Soho ST. Yeah. And that is a co-working space in Berwick Street Market in the middle of London, okay. uh, Soho, London. Right. And okay. what we've set up is a four-floor building full of young, hungry, entrepreneurial people doing different things. Right. Um, who we have built an environment for to be around other brilliant, exceptional people. I mean, it's like that, but it's a work culture, for yeah. sure. We've got, you know, four floors. It's very simple, big wooden benches, uh, simple seats, good Wi-Fi access, a great social bit. We got, uh, but most important for us, it's a product. So the building is run on green energy. Yeah. All yeah. the produce in it is either locally sourced or fair trade. Yeah. It's a hundred percent recycled. There's no waste to landfill. We have some rules. Okay. No big stinking ugly businesses. Right. In the business. So there's no Starbucks in here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. No fur in here. There's no McDonald's in here. There's no Kentucky Fried. Nothing that stinks. Right. So created a product. It's not the people in it are doing what they're doing. We're just hoping that they get used to mm. being in a more sustainable environment, and that when they grow and leave, as they inevitably would do, yeah. uh, to take their own spaces, some of that will stick. Can so, I... but it's a it's a it's a lovely it's a really nice space. People are very flashing about it. Okay. And I think it's because it's real. So it's not it's not a bloody Regis ripping you off left, right, and centre. Yeah. But it's a genuine co-working space where everybody pays the same amount to be here. It's not run on a profit. It's run to cover its costs. 
and we have to get smart about how we make money from it. That's okay. why I think I told you we we're looking at opening 50 stores on the market to right. build um, new businesses and create an entrepreneurialism outside. Okay. So, so it's, a, it's a game in a way, but it's a game with a very real life ambition. It's like I do want to, I do want to, it's not about what I leave yeah. behind, it's about what I can help bring about. And, okay. um, and I've got lots of experience. Okay. And I've got lots of friends, not friends like social friends, but lots of people who I call as friends, call friends who I worked with over years, who would have an interest in doing something amazing like that. And so I just cracked it on, really. Okay. Now, you've told me about your businesses. What aspects of your business are you most maverick in? Now, the thing I've picked up is the fact that you're very selective about who you actually work with. But what do you do that's most different to other companies that do the same thing as you? There aren't any other companies that do what we do. Okay. There are in the, in the co-working space. So right. There are. I haven't created, uh, well, so we haven't set up so host to to challenge the. We've set it up to challenge the way co-working spaces work, but it's right. you know it's not a big. The ambition for co- for this business, so host, is to have a so host in London, Soho. Bering mm-hmm. Street, where we are, yeah. and a Soho, Soho in Soho, New York. Right. I, I'd like to do that. And that's more of a dream than any burning desire yeah. to change things. But host universal is very different. Right. Um, that is about knowing the power of an idea and using it, using the power of an idea with other people who want to perfect change. Okay. And so that is not for anybody else. Okay. It's not, it's not for... Um, making money it's not for um, making somebody more successful it's not for it's not about creating more of the same it's about change it's what it's about it's not about anything else okay and, and, what- um, and so that is the the, 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 the the concept itself is totally maverick because the concept is no no clients no employees that's right. the concept uh, and so that means so no clients no employee, employees means that you don't have some undercultural or subcurrent which is running through saying, make me money, make me money, make me money, because you've got nothing. Right. So what people come to you host with is a problem, and normally quite a big one. And of course, everyone would say your problem is just an opportunity, and it is. But to solve the problem, to make the problem an opportunity or to realise the opportunity that's in the problem, you're going to need people you've never met before. Yes. Yeah, you're going to have to find people that you never expected ah. to bump into or let alone have in a session. Right. You have to find those people. So we have to find 15 or 18 of those people to solve the problem. And we, that's what we do. So we're constantly, it's completely, it's a shame actually because I did an interview, I did do an interview a long time ago, 20 years ago, 18 years ago with Fast Company magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, um, to mention, there's a guy I'm very inspired by called D. Hock and so Visa. Um, founded it, started it. Brilliant, genius guy. And I wanted to meet him, so I went to Fast Company, and we ended up doing an interview with Fast Company mm-hmm. and, uh, about selling big ideas. But the, the idea of no clients, no employees was massive because it means you don't have to keep giving the so finding jobs to pay salaries for people who do one thing. Uh, it means the whole world is your staff. Yes. 
Right? And on the other side, you don't have to just do advertising, which at the end of the day, you know, is something people retire from and buy, buy a restaurant, you know, do yeah, something yeah. worthwhile. So you're not stuck in that trap either. So then the whole world is there. Okay. Uh, and and your, the team you work with is, is completely and utterly defined by the problem you're given. Right. And, and so you build a dream team. Which you can't ever have. You couldn't hire it. Yeah. It costs much money. But they work for they work with us because uh, for no money. Yeah. <laughs> for no money because they believe in what we're doing. Okay. What aspects of your business <laughs> are you least maverick in? Um, what do you do, just like everybody else? Just like <laughs> cleaning. Okay. Uh, no, we 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 I love. Um, clean space so uh, I think it's just I think when people come in in the morning a place feels sharp and clean okay um, it's really you don't think about you know stuff you don't crap uh, it's just clean every day it's like a new sheet of paper oh that's a good and, way of describing it well that's what I think it is and, yeah. um, and I, I think you can you know I've got a room much more cluttered than yours at home Right, but when I go when I come to work, I really just like plain wood, bright wood tables, yeah, clean white walls. Because what I want to do is I want to write on the wall, right? And that's what I do. So I cover walls with white paper. Yeah, yeah. We work on them until the job's done. Yeah. Uh, and, and so everything's up, and people are looking at it all the time. Right, yeah. Constantly feeding And I think you can only do that. If you if the work and the people come to life and there's less clutter, mm -hmm. and so you really start to see people, you really start to understand ideas, and there's less distraction. Okay. So I'm quite I'm not clinical by any means, but I do think just starting with the right in the right place is very important. And the place I probably like to I do like to start is probably not dissimilar from a lot of other people. Right. Okay. How do you balance being a maverick with home life? I'm married to a maverick. Ah, okay. Yeah, it's been running up the walls and stuff together. But no, I have a soulmate, and yeah. we've been together a long time. Um, Kiki, my wife, is um, unbelievably um, single-minded, right. determined. Uh, she writes plays. She forces me to write plays with her. She brings other people in. She's great. Right. She stands up and protests. She, you know, people fuck up. If someone's going to, you know... We have a brilliant street, and she's very responsible for living in a brilliant street. She gets people out, she gets yeah. people to meet, she gets people into each other's houses, she gets the conversation going. But when somebody screws that up yeah. or jeopardizes it, she'll come tell them like a ton of bricks. She's very single minded. Right. I love that because my life is full of complexity. Yeah. Or it feels like it, even though I try to, I do focus, I do, in the end, see the wood from the trees, but you have to get through the miasma. Okay. Uh, stuff, but she goes straight to it, and it's um, it, it's um, unbelievable. So, home life is maverick. We have a bath in our front room because someone gave it to us. We're trying to sell it. We've got six puppies that just been born two weeks ago. <laughs> okay. Two dogs, two cats, a frog. Um, it's a one bedroom flat, uh, south side of Hampstead, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, it's very very special, but I wouldn't say 
Yeah, I wouldn't say it's not maverick. No, um, but thank you for sharing that because sometimes, like, I've had you know quite diverse examples: people with mavericks, people who like can only be maverick at work, and then they go home and it's like, let's just be proper boyfriend and calm now. Yeah. <laughs> I wish, I wish we do have a moment. Okay? So, no, no, no. So, uh, it's like, what, what did one guy say? He said, you know, um, I'm a maverick at work and then like, I go home and I've got all these ideas running around in my head and it's like, um, okay, should we go out for a drink with my friends? And he goes, and I don't want to go out for a drink with my friends. I want to actually go, I want to go crazy about my ideas. So Yeah, but yeah, I was so crazy about ideas. We, they, they don't stop it. Often it's me that shuts them off because I uh, live in fear of um, burnout. And, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and so I, you know, I will take fifteen minutes, half an hour yeah, to wind yeah. down, and uh, and I will switch off completely. And um, I think it's important that you do. I'm not saying work life balance or anything like that. I just think it's important to be able to switch off at some point in order to recover. Mate, mate, you'd love it round here. We've got people coming around to have a coffee with me, right? And they're like, Billy, I've been here two hours and all you've done is talk about your work. Aren't you getting married next week? I went, oh, yeah, yeah, we're doing that as well. (laughs) And I'm like, you know, it's it's another adventure. Just deal with it, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, we we love what we do, so we do as much of it as we can. Yeah, exactly. Is any part of being a maverick related to the legacy you want to leave behind? Um, as I think I said, I mean, I find legacy difficult because yeah. I don't ha- I don't see that the life I've led uh, is going to be brilliant for a lot of people I've known, so or grown up with, or be responsible for. So I haven't been my best self um, for a lot of people I really care about. Okay. Um, I haven't, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't really stack legacy up as okay. something I, I gotta, you know, think about too much. I think more about the only reason, the only way I can justify what I've been doing mm-hmm. is that something might change. Well, and, actually, we'll make. And, and that's not a legacy. It's always going to be in the future. I'm not going to you know, change it myself. However, but I might be part of it. However. Maybe the legacy is that you were a catalyst for people to start thinking that business could be done a different way. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no I mean, that's, that's okay. Uh, is there a book in it? Yeah, it might be. Uh, but um, I, I think if I was going to write a book like you, I think it would be called Why Men Talk About Football. <laughs> uh, because everything else is so much bollocks and it's so yeah, difficult. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and to have something... Uh, pure and simple like the game yes I uh, just is I don't have that I you know I enjoy football not you know I don't I'm not a big team fan but um, I enjoy it um, for what it is in a pub yeah <coughs> occasionally on a big night but um, it's more the crowd I think I enjoy okay it. but um, but I do think it's, you know, it's really difficult. It's really difficult. It's very complicated. It's very difficult to explain or justify why the fuck you do what you do. Because the compromise is so big. Yeah. And it's not your compromise. It's everybody you're around. You yes. know, it's kind of, if you put this change agenda on the top of the pedestal, or, you know, put it at the top, that's the goal, change. Yeah. And whatever form, then 
you're really putting yourself at the bottom of the hierarchy, you know, putting yourself at the bottom of the pedestal. Yeah. Uh, and everybody you love and care about is there with you. Yes, yeah. That's it. That's it. I love the way you. I love the way you give these. Like, uh, I'm a visual person. I like the visual examples. That's that's really cool. Yeah, visual. Yeah, I'm a visual person. How much? Okay. Next question. How much, if anything, of being a maverick is related to give back or pay it forward? Um, it's not about giving back. Um, uh, I don't think it's about giving back. Okay. I, mean, I learned my trade in advertising. Okay. So I, I learned that an idea can change the world. Right. Uh, so I don't, I don't regret my time there. I had some bad times. I had some great times. Yeah. <laughs> but what I really learned is if you do something well, people will change. And, um, and that's the belief I have. And I wouldn't have had that if I wasn't, uh, didn't join a, you know, as a junior in a, Advertising agency, credit department. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have had that experience. I wouldn't know that. Okay. Um, so I don't. I know. I'm not. I'm not giving back. Um, I'm hoping mm -hmm. that at some point <laughs> there will be some moment in time where I'm able to. I'm going to be still sound really crap, but find a moment of self appreciation where I can actually actually find something I've done and feel good about it uh, because I just the, the rewards you know I know why I do what I do I know why I get up I know why it excites me mm -hmm. but I don't always feel good about it um, I don't often feel good about it because it's really taxing um, and, and so it'd be nice to get to that point I don't know when that point will come um, where oh. you actually get a bit of time to be reflective Actually, um, I can help you with that bit. I'm really good at that shit. I am? Yeah, I'll t tell you about that after, but I'm, okay. I'm making a list. I'm making a list of things I need to do. <laughs> okay. Mavericks tend to be risk takers. Yeah. What's the biggest risk you've taken in business to date? What's the biggest risk? Um... Big, I don't know. Uh, well, how do you measure risk? I think the risk is... It's not a personal risk. I don't take a personal risk. I may jeopardise my liberty. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so I may have unknown, because you're often doing things and you don't know the, necessarily know all the rules. Yeah, like one of the things somebody said was, you know, a lot of people turned around and said, well, I gave up a very secure job and I walked away and I thought I'm going to do this. Oh, I've done that. Yeah. So the biggest risk to a lot, uh, the main one is that giving up a, a bloody lucrative six-figure salary to just go follow a dream. No, the, the biggest risk I've probably taken is crossing a line which could have meant jail. Really? Uh, or crossing a line which could have meant I was um, putting myself in extreme danger. Okay. Uh, it would have been the kind of risk, but I suppose the most normal risk I've taken is having uh, been through, as I mentioned last time, uh, a lot of heavy litigation. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, rolling up a large amount of debt, I went out and borrowed more money to set another business. Right. So, yeah, in just in kind of rational terms, that's probably the biggest risk. Okay. Having, you know, having carried, been carrying one burden and taking on another equal one. Right. It was pretty ludicrous. 
but it was the only way forward, so we did it. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, um, but so that has risk. But I think the real risk is when you're on your own. Yeah. A strange place you do not know. Maybe a drugs economy, and people you're around people don't have anything. Yeah. And they're aware that even if I don't have much, I still have a lot compensating. Yes. For people that you really are moving in a place you don't know. Mm-hmm. And um, and you are you are at risk. I've been in those places a couple of times, and okay. Um, okay. and it, that's kind of that's scary. It's kind of risky. No, it's scary, okay. uh, and it wakes you up uh, all the time, and you get the sweats, and you wake up in the middle of the night with sweat, and you're going, "This is stupid. Right. Why am I doing it?" And then you remind yourself why you do because you like it, yeah, and you move on. But yeah, I've had some of those moments. But I wouldn't say it's giving up a job. I think giving up a job is the most liberating thing you can do. Yeah, too, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. So, challenge you, know, I mean, I know that it's, it's interesting that people would say that because I, I was institutionalised into work by my dad. He just he said, go out and get a job, go out and get a job, right? Yeah. Lots of magic jobs. So I got a job. And I did the job and I enjoyed the job and I was paying money for the job. I met lots of those people and I got the job and it didn't give me what I wanted it did, and I yeah. didn't give it. What it wanted. So at the end of the day, I'm a very late starter. I was mean, 38 or something before I started a business right. of my own. And I had a, a job for a long time, but it wasn't working for me. And I think I'm with a large number of people now. It felt lonely at the time. Yeah. I'm with a very large number of people who genuinely believe they're unemployable. Uh, and uh, uh, and I think that's a growing number of us. I don't think it's just me anymore. No, no, no. no. me. But I think a lot of people think they're unemployed, think of themselves as unemployable now because they want to do their own things. Yeah, yeah. Now, you've got t- the the two companies you run, yeah? You've been running them both for more than five years, yeah? Oh, 17. 17, okay. So what, when, what, what would you consider are the characteristics of a successful venture? Um... Yeah, it's a really interesting question. I'm hesitating because a successful venture. So success, according to Robin, not the rest of the world. Is I get 150 different people onto the same page. Okay. And my story becomes this. Okay. Now, how many ventures have you done in the past five years? Five years. That's not would be great because I've been through litigation. But 300 in all. Okay. Um, and uh, in the last five years, not so many, uh, probably about 15. Okay, so of the 15, 20 that you've done, yeah. how many of those um, would you meet your definition of success? Um, two, three. Okay. And... I want to to a certain extent in that there's... You know, there's um, I. I have my own process of working, and it's a, it's not it's not a regime that's close to a regime. It's a regime because the people change all the time. Yeah. So a structure that I design for making things work, and it's very gratifying when they do. Um, so I get I always get success out of that because I've got a ninety nine well ninety nine out of hundred strike rate. Creating a system that works. Okay. So, so that that I got a good strike rate, and I can feel good in just about every job. I'm only thinking about one a very long time ago, which made me unhappy because uh, for lots of reasons. But um, but generally speaking, there's always a good feeling. But it's when you move the job 
off the paper and into the real world. Yeah. And how much of the belief you built in the room goes out into the real world? Because if it does, it starts to cut the mustard. Yeah. Uh, and if it doesn't, because people get nervous when they go and walk outside, um, it's much more difficult. And I, I find it, I got find it almost soul destroying when um, people take something apart that's taken time to build. Okay. Uh, they take it apart because they haven't understood it. That you've uh, kind of answered my next question, which was what leads to successful execution. So successful execution is getting what you put down on paper and the belief and the buy-in and actually getting it out there and working. Yeah, that's, that's for me success. But I mean, success, different ways of looking at it, isn't it? I mean, was it was the classic phrases where preparation meets luck. Yeah. You know, so I'm quite... You know, I live in a very small world. You know, not many people do what I do. Yeah. But I'm quite good at it because I've done it so often, and I, I, I've got quite quick. Uh, okay. And, and so I can work a room really so, fast. So, what now. do you bring to the table? What do you do that makes the venture successful? Um, I understand where the project needs to get to. Wow. So okay. I, can, I see up the line. Right. Um, I can look at the potential. I can find a way of calculating the potential of just about anything I work with, right. any business, so I can look at it, yeah. what it is, imagine it being successful, and I can describe what that success looks like, and then I can come backwards yeah. and pull in, pull in the people that I need to uh, make manifest that success. So I have a, I don't know, an ability, I guess, um, to not, not, you know, see the future. It's, it's, I'm able to identify something quite a long way off. Okay. Um, so to excite people so uh, would it, to join it. So would it be you could see the potential? I can see the potential. Okay. I can, if I can't see it, I can find it. Okay. And I know what it... I know what it sounds like. I know what it smells like. Right. So when I talk to good people, uh, a bit like you're doing now, it's not so much for me. It's not about the people. It's about the themes that underpin everyone. Yeah, yeah. And I, I use that process. So I would look at you know, the conversation is great, and having a great conversation, getting people angry and agitated, passionate and laughing, that's all brilliant. But the outcome is what important, but not just the one outcome that everyone's working to. It's the things that people leave behind. Yes. Yeah. And so I would try to pull out of a session ten major themes that probably only three of them anybody in the room had thought about. The other would be new. All the other seven would be new. Okay. And, and they are solid themes, substantial, substantial themes that will be. Uh, will exist in the future of the business that I'm working with. Okay. Uh, and they will exist. So those things are very important to me. So, and it's a, I think that's what's really exciting is understanding the scale and the potential. I mean, yeah. the planet is an amazing place. Oh, honey, and, I've, got, I've got an idea for you to think about afterwards anyway, because I think you might be exactly what I'm looking for. Um, when a venture is unsuccessful, what's the main reason for failure? Money. Um, it's not money actually it's probably the three things I need um, to be successful 
Uh, and this is not my making up. This is somebody told me this a long time ago. I've never stopped using it because it works. Okay. Uh, time, talent, and money. Okay. Uh, there are three things that I need uh, to do what I do. Time, talent, and money. Right. I can work with only two. So I can work with time and talent. I can work with money and time uh, and less talent. Yeah. But you really, perfect project has all three. What happens when it's not successful is because you build momentum. When in my work, you have to build momentum in a project. People get excited. You capture that excitement and build on it. And then you come exploding out the other side. Right? So if a project goes long, mm-hmm. for not of any reason of our making, because we work to our schedule, um, but if for some reason it goes long and it loses momentum, um, that can be very painful because we are... My firm is a project-based firm. We work right. on strict timelines and reports and budget. We don't have extended budget. No one's going to give us more money for no. a job we said it's going to be. So if the time goes long, it's twice as long. You're earning half as much. Yeah. You can't get another project in because you've already timelined that project. Right. So it can be catastrophic mm. when time slips. Okay. When time slips, it can be catastrophic. Okay. And uh, that's just a, that's a fault in the nature of the business I've built which I can't get away from because, you know, unfortunately, it doesn't happen too often, but when it does, it's painful as hell. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Um, it's like your crib tonight. Well, you've we, we got a whole team lined up, and, you yeah. know, you're working with people who got attracted to, to, I don't know, the election for the BBC or the digital graphics or whatever. You've only got those people for a moment in time. If something goes wrong, yeah, uh, not in your making, but the client says, look, something's come up, we're going to have to delay this for a month. You know, that's a real arsehole. Yeah, and, yeah. And normally, you know, you can cover yourself in terms and conditions, but if you want to maintain a relationship, they don't count for much. No. So, so it's, uh, so it's really quite challenging that. Okay. That the only reason it's fresh in mind is it happened not so long ago. Okay, okay. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's fresh. Okay. As a maverick, what are you afraid of? <laughs> My wife. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I haven't met her, I'll take your word for it. Nothing, nothing, nothing other than that. No, it's kind of okay. Uh, well, that's probably not true. I'm um, afraid of. Um, I suppose I might be afraid of people taking me too seriously. Right. Okay. Uh, because because I do, as I said, touched on earlier. I do the things I do for the reason I do them. Yeah. I don't want to do people harm or upset people, get people fired. Mm. Um, but. Sometimes the unforeseen consequences of change. Yes. And, uh, and in a way to build something, you're probably going to destroy something. Yes. Um, so like burning in the forest, you know, another yeah. forest grows and, uh, and sometimes it's better. Um, so I think there is a destructive element to what I do and um, that does worry me. Okay. That does worry me. Not for the sake that things don't need to be destroyed. Some things do need to be destroyed. But uh, there are people in the process. And, uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, you can't and, always that. And, and you could not be like that because you said you're a caring person. Well, yeah, but, you know, you, you care. Well, you, you know, if you, yeah. really, you, can, you care about something immensely, you throw your whole attention to it. Yeah. And, you know, if a mother's child or a pet, or somebody's, you know, pet runs into a street in front of a car, chances are they're going to run in front of the car and save it. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, that's going to could kill the driver, could kill yourself. It might the driver might swerve and kill somebody else. Mm. You will have rescued the cat. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so caring is not 
you know, without consequence. Yeah, uh, true. You know, no, everything has consequence, and I think that's the the art of what I do is, if there is an art, is understanding consequence because it's immensely important. Okay. You've talked about teams quite a lot. You've mentioned when you're working, you get the right number of people in the room and stuff. So how yeah. important is team to you as a maverick? Um, as a chemical mix, it's absolutely essential. Okay. Um, um, as a chemical mix, I mean, we both actually, you quite rightly pointed out, we, we are very selective about the people we work with. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always go our way, but I'm not being big-headed about that. that no, 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 that's fine. Um, but that's true. Also, it's host universal. Very true of host universal. But it's also true of solo host. So we turn people away from here all the time, right? Um, because they've got wrong energy. Yes. Or they're doing something which is not going to add to the energy in the building. Yeah. Yeah. Or experience of other people coming to work here. So, and it's nothing against recruiters and stuff. But people are on phones all the time doing recruitment. They're using the same old lines and meaning nothing. Yeah. It's not gonna. It's not gonna work here. No, 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 it wouldn't. So we're, no, so we're much you know creative, okay. um, imaginative, entrepreneurial, social. Uh, um, entrepreneurial is a key bit, I think. Yeah, yeah. Energy, having that energy buzzing throughout the building is really, really vital. That's why. That's why it's the mix of people. It's yeah. Not, right, people aren't just like oh, they're my mates. They're not. See, some of the people well, I don't in this building I don't get on with, but I bloody respect them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Does being a maverick affect your approach to leadership? So say you're leading a team, okay, when you're working and you're arranging these events, yeah? Because you're a maverick, does that actually affect how you lead? I don't know how other people will lead. I think other people lead different, you know, everyone's going to lead with their strengths, I guess. Yeah. If you're going to jump off a cliff, then, you you know, it's pointless asking people to do it for you. Yeah, true. Um, Pointless, so no one's going to do that. So uh, I think, you know, I work harder than anybody else, I think. Yeah. We do. Um, I, I, I use as many different skills as I possibly can. Right. Try not to be a one-trick pony. Yeah. I'll do the washing up. Um, so I think, uh, for me, I was, I, I was involved as I possibly can be um, in the people who work around me. Okay, okay. Now, see, a lot of people don't do that. Why? Go, oh, ours is not to reason why, mate. Uh, no, I guess not. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, I do think I've got a big, fat, dollop of feminine principle in me, which is, um, really, underneath it all, I do love, I do feel love for people and, the, and things and the things we do. Okay. Uh, and for me, while it can turn hostile, uh, generally speaking, it's not about that. I do, you know, I, I think, I, don't, I really do think I care probably too much to a fault okay. about things. And I do care about people. And, and I do care about, you know, plants and animals and stuff like that. I really do. I mean, I care about walking. Yeah. You know, I don't get to do much of it, but when I get out and I walk and the wind's blowing through trees and stuff, you know, this is an amazing place. I do care about that. Yeah, yeah, that makes uh, sense. Uh, yeah, so I, I do care about all those things. Okay. I care about the street. So, uh, so I'm not somebody, I'm not ever going to get away from that. And that may make me a tangled mess, but, but, but I'm not going to get away from what I can bring to it is what I do. And what yeah. I do, um, 
for some people might be a real pain in the ass thing. For other people, it's totally inspirational. Yeah, so, no, 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 that makes sense. How and where did you get your permission to be a maverick? I don't think, I don't think anyone gives you permission, do they? Well, I don't know, uh, you tell me. Um, I would have to say, because my, my dad was the challenger in the family, a very bright guy, um, self-made. Yeah. Um extremely uh, articulate um, but I don't think he gave me permission in fact he challenged everything I ever did it's more like stop me than, than start me so did you give yourself permission? I, well, yeah, okay, you know, we do believe to go back to the roots of things I think it's important to go back to the roots yeah, yeah. Like, I have to go back to my mother I think there is um, that even now she doesn't tell me I'm an idiot. (laughs) She doesn't doesn't tell me, you know how debilitating it is when people tell you you're an idiot or you're fucking mad or you're stupid. You know, people say that when they don't understand things and you you get quite a lot of it. And I know I'm not stupid. Robin, I used to work in child protection and teach child protection when I worked as a nurse. And... The emotional damage people do by telling kids they're never going to achieve anything, yeah. that not believing in them is is takes decades to undo, if ever. Yeah, no, I, I completely believe. I know people who think hurting somebody is a demonstration of love because it means you care. That's I'm what not, makes you angry. It's so fucked up. Yeah, it is. On what planet is that okay? On no planet, but it's true on this planet. Yeah. And, you know, it's just people who've been, I don't, I can only guess, brutalised yeah. somehow. Yeah, yeah. They're part, maybe, by someone close. It's, 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 you think that's a show of love, but it's because they care. They get angry and they get violent. And it's this madness. Yeah. So, so, no, I don't get that. I don't get it. So I think permission, I think you have to take I don't think permission is ever always given. I think yeah. I think permission. I'd say permission is never given. Yeah. Uh, you, I think you can have it. Yeah. Unsaid, unspoken. Right. By somebody who who makes it possible for you to feel that sense of liberty, and I say that for my mother. Okay. And I think along the road there are people who go, you know what. I wouldn't want to do what you're doing, but I respect you for doing it. Okay, yeah. And I think that's a kind of permission. Yes. You see, somebody you respect says, don't stop. I, I went through a divorce once. Yeah. And I went, it was very messy a long time ago. Right. And um, I was in court, and I wanted to start my business. I haven't thought about this for a long time. Yeah. I wanted to start a business. You know, I couldn't. I, I knew. I'd grown up. I knew I couldn't work for anybody again. Yeah. Uh, I just didn't have that choice. I couldn't go back and... Bullshit, my way back in to the culture. I yeah. couldn't do it. And so I was in this divorce situation. Um, I've been doing very well. My ex wife wanted everything, which is fair enough. Um, um, and uh, she wanted me to get a job. She didn't want me to start a business. So she argued in court that I should be made to get a job. Um, and I gave, I just couldn't do it. And I had taken my work, some work with me to explain what I was doing mm-hmm. in case it came up. And I explained just a few pictures. 
And the, the, the judge actually said, I think Mr. Smith has got horses and we should let them run. Right. Judge said that to me um, in a divorce hearing. Yeah. And, and I'd never heard anything so poetic. It was just brilliant. And you so know, that, was a, that was permission in a way. Yeah, and you know what was lovely about that? Is the guy who probably doesn't know you from Adam gave you permission and the person who'd loved you and lived with you couldn't give it. Yeah. That's no, the irony. Shocking, but well put. That, that's the it's, that's not yeah. sometimes the lessons we learn in life it's the yeah. biggest ironies you know the person who's supposed to be supporting you isn't and some random stranger just went go for it mate no but you're right because I, I, what I was thinking about permission as in something that was laboured from you know from some authority whatever but it's not you're right permission can be a very emancipated inspiring thing of course it can one instance and the second instance would be the radio interview I told you yeah. about um, yeah D. Hock, the founder of Visa, who I'd given up my job. I was looking, I'd written a draft called Bish Bash Bosh yes. about the advertising industry and had an idea about what I could do to change it. And, um, and this interview came on. I was in the bath. It was corny as fuck. I was in the bath. Radio was on. It was very late. Late night running business program, which I don't normally listen to. And this guy was on it, and he was the first inspirational person. I actually thought, actually, I might be able to make this work. Right. So I actually thought that might, I might be able to make this work. Okay. And listening to this person. And so that, in a way, gave me permission as well. So, yeah, I suppose there are different kinds of permission, and those are the two. My mum, undoubtedly, unsaid, unspoken. Yeah. Uh, but Devok and uh, that judge in court okay. uh, would both be up there. Okay. Next, next question. Is being a maverick related to creativity? Totally. Yeah. You know, so I've got to step back. Probably not totally for other people. Yeah. Because you know, <coughs> uh, is Richard Branson a maverick? I guess he is the arts maverick in some people's books, but he doesn't do anything unusual. Mm-hmm. He's got an airline that he put up against another airline. He's got a music business. He put up against another music business. Mm. So it's not, you know, what he's doing is something different within the context of business as usual. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, I couldn't ever say he's not maverick. I mean, no, he always been using this word because it's your book. Uh, yeah. You know, funny words to describe a lot of different people. Um, so I'd say it's because it's all about you. It's all about ideas. Okay. So I ideas mean, are I, creativity, aren't they? It's pure creativity. Okay. To look at something, go. It doesn't have to be this way. I'm going to do something different. Right. So, uh, and and if everybody tells you you can't do it, you're still going to do it. Yeah. Because you can smell it, and you know, so you just and it can be disruptive and all those things. But actually, the proof of the pudding should be in the pudding. So if you know if you 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 yeah, crack it and this yeah. thing turns into something beautiful, then everyone will forget you were remembering, and they just think you created something lovely. So. Um, has being a maverick. Creativity in cooking. It's a very similar thing. So I suppose it's about. So some people are very crap creatives, let's be honest, yeah? Right. So you get people who call themselves creatives who are actually not creative at all. Right. Uh, so they just they, they do a job that somebody else can't do, mm-hmm. therefore it's creative. Right. So on, yeah, on the spectrum of things, it is creative because other people can't do it, but it's not. Really, it's not going to set the world on fire. You okay. know, it's, not, it's not creative like 
a painting you never expected to see, a song you never expected to hear. Okay. Uh, it's not that. And I think there is, I, I don't think, I don't think, you know, purity is not a big thing for me. I understand that everything is inspired by something else. You know, yeah. We're all, you know, victim of consequence. Uh, so and the things we think are our own, they are our own for the moment in time that we have them. But, you know, they've probably been inspired by something else. Um, yeah. So, uh, and I th- I think, so I don't think it's about purity, but I think there is a moment right. uh, an idea happens which is quite pure because it just sets up. A lot of things suddenly make sense mm. uh, when an idea happens. Suddenly things that weren't, didn't ever meant to, weren't ever meant to be do me and things join up and, uh, and it's almost magic. Yeah. Um, it's almost magic. And innovation is, you know, I run innovation think tanks. Uh, it's one of the things I almost inevitably do in a project is a three-hour session with people who've never met each other before or mostly haven't met each other before. Uh, and it's innovation because I use the people, I don't, I'm not interested in their opinions. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in a more gestalt concept where uh, people talking from experience, yeah. uh, talk from experience about something they've never thought before. Right. So the opportunity for innovation is massive. Yes. You've got, uh, you've got something that's in the future which may or may not happen. It sounds credible. And people working with the experience in a group of people they don't know, who don't want to look like idiots, they're not going to start bullshitting. They really want to, you know, they put their time into this, they're going to invest themselves in it. And you get in tons of innovation out of that. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, just, it's capturing it. And, and of course, most people won't pay for all the wonderful things that fall out. There's no way of developing them on your own. If you had a, if I had a very rich uncle, yeah. You know, we just want to stick a million quid into every tenth innovation we developed. We'd be billionaires. Yes, yeah, um, that makes sense. It, happen, it tends to happen, you do the job uh, that... Uh, you do the job that's on the table. On the table, given to yeah. do. Yeah. Uh, and the spin-off stuff, you remember. Yeah. Occasionally, I will write things up into proposals, but they've got no, nowhere to go. Yeah. Uh, um, so they wasn't sit there. We've got some massive ideas, massive ideas sitting in the background. Yeah. But they're all millions. They're all millions. And um, so um, you wait. You either got to earn it. Yeah. Or wait for that that thing again. I mentioned earlier um, preparation to meet luck. Yeah. And then they'll pop. Um, and there's some signs of that. It could happen. But um, we're living challenging times. Let's not kill ourselves. These yeah. are challenging times. Right? True. True. Okay. My next question. Mavericks tend to be learners. What are yeah. you a student of? Wow. There's the corny that comes straight to mind. Places um, then get uh, not comfortable with it. Um, but so, I know if I could change one thing in school and education, I'd change the name history yeah. to future. Okay. Okay. Uh, I don't think there's any point in learning history unless it helps you do something better. Okay. So I'd rather call it future. Right. So I'd be a student of the future. Okay. Do you draw on other mavericks in any way? All the time. How do you do, draw on them? What do you do with them? Do you meet them? Do, how do you draw on them? 
draw my energy from them. Okay. So, um, I'd say they're not always, not a thing. Maverick for me, I know we're having this conversation, we're using the word. Yeah. And I'm just going with it. But Maverick for me could be uh, George Barder, who runs uh, the Democracy Wing of Occupy. Right. But he's a Maverick. Right. Okay. He's definitely a Maverick. Right. You can see it in his jeans. Right. Right. Um, and there are other Mavericks who are institutionalised Mavericks. Yeah. And societies, they've been chairmen of big organisations, but there's something has happened with them. We're doing this amazing good. And, and it's almost like they towed the line for so long, they're just exploding with humanity. Right. Uh, and they're maverick in that they use their energy to help people. And, right. uh, and they're helping people against the people they used to work for. So it's a kind of yeah. weird, weird thing. So I think maverick, those kind of people, they don't just turn up in your room. And I'm a member of the Entrepreneurs' Organisation, Global Organisation. Right. A number of mavericks in that, for sure. Yeah. But most, most I would say, are not maverick. Okay. And, uh, most are um, very good business people who, yeah. uh, who can see an opportunity and know how to, uh, how to connect enough people to make it happen quite quickly you know, on their own terms. Right. Uh, much more practical, um, realistic, I guess is the word. Okay. Um, um, but I'm not that. No, no, no I, I, it's not, I, you know, I can get it wrong for myself. Yeah. So, you know, if something's going to work, it will work. Yeah. And it will work well and everyone, everyone's happy. Um, but if you, you know, push too hard, go too far, uh, you know, you're 10 years up the line and everybody else is scrambling to understand what the fuck language you're using, then that can be really difficult. So, I think Mavericks take up more walks of life. Uh, we likely to meet one on the bus. Okay. If I asked you, is there anyone who's a Maverick that inspires you? Who's the first person that jumped into your head? Steve Hogg. Uh, there's a book. Um, and i be honest, I don't read a lot. I read all the time, so I don't read a lot of books. Yeah. I read all the time. Um, but I did pick this book up. It's called One of Many. Yeah. And... It, uh, for me, it's a beautiful story, and uh, I mean, he does. He's an old man now. He must be ninety if he's still alive. But um, very inspirational, man. Very inspirational. And he's, he's, I'd say, maverick. Okay. That's why he's a maverick, and he's a maverick because he worked. He was a. The last night of life was destitute farmer and a destitute America, middle America farm. Uh, soup was hot water with a bit of butter. Yeah. And, and kind of poverty. Yeah. He got a job when he was very young, working in a local branch in Bank of America, just doing what they were doing. Yeah. And he put that up into becoming the manager of that local branch. Right. And commissioned to, through a team of people to launch, help launch the Bank of America credit card or debit card back in the late 60s, I think. Yeah. Uh, and he told the entire world of banking it was never going to work. Because, right. uh, uh, you know, I don't you won't remember, all these machines were stacking up with plastic and paper and cards and swipe machines. Yeah, yeah. Just store, there might be eight, nine machines, everyone's launching their own system. He said, the only way it's going to work if we all work together. Yes. And he's out of visa, and he's out with right. a small team of people. And that's why he's a maverick. Oh, yeah. yeah. The top, top, top wasn't going to work. Yeah. 
And, and he came up with another way of work. Yeah. And, and uh, the buy-in, the buy-in from corporate monsters like the banks at the time. Yeah. Would have been, to get that level of buy-in. Yeah. You can just see it from the outside. Get that level of buy-in is yeah. just extraordinary. Well, phenomenal, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Uh, he spoke up his car. He all went wrong. He, he, um, he built something which is about exchange of equal value. And of course, the banks turned it in on itself and just right. really plundered everybody's pockets. Okay. And so yeah, he died. Uh, he, I think I hope he's still alive. He may have died, but he, he, he wouldn't have been particularly happy at the end of it. No. But he did create it out of nothing. And it is 13 trillion transactions a year right. for some monster. It's the most amazing thing. Okay. And, what? <coughs> wow, he sounds, he does sound awesome. No, he is awesome. He's uh, one of the few people you don't uh, generally look back at. I mean, there's lots of people who inspire but in terms of being business. Yeah. I don't think there are that many. Maybe you think clever. Yeah. Uh, Branson is charismatic and bloody clever. He's brilliant. I've listened to him uh, several times. But, you know, amazing. Uh, charismatic. But yeah. he's fucking clever. Yeah. Uh, he really is sharp. Okay. And, uh, and, and that's not necessarily. Yeah, I know it's Maverick because he yeah. is the ultimate Maverick. Yeah, I intend to. I intend to nail him by the hundredth interview. No, uh, you will. Um, sure. Oh, I will. Um, I will tell you. What I'm going to do is finish the interview, and then I'm going to tell you what I'm actually doing <laughs> because <laughs> I think it's only fair. There, yeah. Okay. What do you have to suffer and sacrifice because you're a Maverick? Um. And the next question was, what motivates you as a maverick? And you said earlier on that just the idea of getting up and trying to make change and putting loads of people in a room to tackle a problem is what motivates you. Is there anything else you want to add? It's not, that's the process. It's part of the journey, and that's all motivating. I love it. It's challenging. So I get nervous. It scares the hell out of me. I get stage fright. Yeah. So it's nerve-wracking. It all adrenaline runs. So that's, you know, high-octane stuff. But I think at the end of the day, what, you know, the, the idea is everything. So okay. what's the idea? Right. Uh, at the end of it, it's a very simple thing. What's the idea? Okay. Uh, that's what's going to make it happen. What's the idea? And it's the idea that really motivates me. Okay. Is any part of being a maverick... Related to finding out who you are and what you're capable of. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think so. Okay. Because um, we just don't know, do we? I mean, no. we don't know what we're capable of. We're so cut off. You know, we, you know I'm surrounded by I like my office. It's lovely. You know, it's something we're, uh, I really enjoy. But it is concrete and varnish and paint. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there is uh, a couple of aloe plants in here, which are nice, but I'm completely removed from any sense of any natural habitat or anything which I'd normally rely on for strength. Yeah. Whereas um, I'm quite fortunate. I look out my windows, and if it's not a cloudy day, it's cloudy today. I'm just I can see the mountains and the trees. They're so powerful. Oh but yeah. Things, the human potential. I don't think we understand yet. Yeah. Um, because we've lost so much touch with all the things that will help us manifest potential yeah. that we're quite weak and potentially diseased. Yeah. Uh, and so I think human potential uh, is can be on one hand terrifying, on the other hand hugely inspiring. So 
Um, so I think, you know, I think that we have potential as humans to be human. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, not being in touch with it all the time, feeling that you're not getting your natural resource of, you know, from biotanicals, there's moisture, there's been surrounded by plants and things which are part of your nature. Yeah. Uh, is, is inevitably weakening. So, you know, you, we're going to be less than our full selves. And oh, I think, uh, yeah. So that, that kind of potential is, is, is very important to me. I deliberately actually moved here. I moved to Vancouver because I knew that I would, I would incubate my ideas better. Yeah, yeah. No, I believe you. Yeah. I believe. Do you like being a maverick? I Sometimes. I don't think about it, to be yeah. honest, um, uh, that much. I, I think about the thing in front of me, yeah. uh, the consequences of the things behind me. Yeah. Uh, but um, I don't get too wrapped up and enjoy it. I like to, as I said earlier, I, I really do love to be able to unwind. Yeah. Uh, and that process of letting things go, you know, for, for a very short amount of time. Uh, I really, really love that. So um, I think I would probably appreciate that if I maverick that, whatever that means, that, 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 so that energy and drive and uh, desire to do things differently uh, wasn't there. Because I wouldn't feel so tired. I wouldn't feel the need to, that, for that download time. Yeah, just... yeah. So I think I appreciate those moments uh, more than a lot of people. Really. And it can be silence. It really can be. Yeah. And, um, just chill. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, as, is being a maverick a responsibility or important in any way? Oh God, it's a massive responsibility. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you know, you, as I said, you're changing things. You, you're yeah. all changing people's lives. Yeah. Uh, maybe for the best, but you hope so. But what if you're wrong? So, yeah. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, it's definitely. On a scale of one to ten, now you've nearly finished answering my questions. How maverick are you? Not in comparison to anybody else, Robin, in comparison to how... You know, you're talking about potential. You know, on your, on your continuum of being a maverick, where do you sit? Now, I have, um, if it's out of ten, I'd say a nine. Okay. Um, and I know that I have things that hold me back. Yeah. And, and I can't always uh, deal with those. So I have, uh, okay. I, I'm, I'm not, believe it or not, I am quite a shy person. I, you know, I'm not great at yeah, chit chat and socialising. So it's kind of, um, I, I, I find that quite difficult and it holds me back because I know that I could do 10 times what I'm doing if I didn't have that um, insecurity. Okay, so. Um, um, uh, so, yeah, so I, uh, but I'm full blown in everything that I am in control of. It's when things are out, it's pure stoic, I guess. Okay. Try to manage things that are not in your control, you will die. Yeah. Um, manage things that are in your control, you will thrive. Um, uh, but I, I'm just so aware of things, that the consequences of the actions that I take, mm -hmm. uh, it does make me a little bit shy of being 10. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, it's not like I don't want to be. I try at moments at 10. Yeah. Um, but, but it's not, uh, I'm not full-blown 10 all the time, I couldn't possibly do it, do no. too much damage. What advice would you give to someone, Robin, who feels they're a maverick so that they could be the best possible maverick they could be? 
listen to what's said, listen to what's said, but do what you believe. Okay. How do you promote and serve other people to be mavericks? Um, I think you, you can create the right... I don't you know, think you can't make people be anything they're not going to be. I think you can create the environment for people to realise their own maverick tendency, if you like. Uh, the idea that they can go and do something somebody else hasn't done. But isn't that what Sohost does? Uh, in a way, yeah. yeah. In, a way, in a way, it's on its way to that. Yeah. I, think it's, I don't think it's there uh, because... Yeah, it's a new, at the end of the day, it's a new business. It's just over a year old. Yeah. And it's still finding its own feet. So I don't yeah. think it's got the confidence yet. And it's good. It's got a nice buzz and stuff. But we're not we're not blitzing the streets with film and video and festivals or anything like that yet. We haven't got trees growing off our roof yet. So we, we're not... What we've got is quite... It's really nice. I'm not putting it down. Yeah. It's quite considered. But it's running on a budget. You know, yeah. it hasn't got to the point where it can just start doing what it wants yet. So but it's still moving. having said that, don't the most creative ideas come together when you are limited on a budget? Because that's when you become most well, creative. Yeah, sure. No, there's definitely a truth in that. But there are a lot of things you could do as well when you've got more resources. Yeah, and, true. Uh, and really nice things. And, uh, and, they get, and in a way, it makes... Um, it, it makes life fun. Uh, yeah. in those. So I completely agree with you that the big... Big creative moment happens when you're up against the wall. Yes. And there's nothing left. You're pressing so hard against the opposition, so hard. It's at you. Whether it be a deadline or it's the brick wall or no yep. entry sign, it's so you have to do something. And it's when you get to that that moment there, you go bam. And it's not always that way. It doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. But often, often it's that way. The thought you didn't think you'd have comes out of that kind of uh, opposition. Yeah. What's your biggest ambition right now? <laughs> um, uh, nothing. I, I don't know. A big ambition. I'd like to uh, I'd like to have a holiday with my wife, to be honest. Um, we haven't had one for five years. So, uh, all my, my personal ambitions would be very, relatively mediocre right now. Uh, ordinary, not mediocre. Yeah, but, you're, but you're, if, uh, you're, what I heard was your big ambition was to open Sohost in, in um, the States. Yeah, yeah, no, I want to do that. I mean, that's a dream, though. So, it's something I'm working towards. Yeah, but what's the difference between an ambition and a dream? An ambition? Um, the dream, yeah, uh, for me, um, the dream of New York is a lovely thing. Yeah. Right, it's a really nice thing. Almost one of the, you know, for me, it's, uh, I love New York. Yeah. Uh, I love the idea of having two so hosts uh, and then what could spring from that, having those two. Yeah, oh yeah, it's not, it's like you said, it's a, you know, if when you do that, not if. No, sure. When you sure. do, when you... The first thing I want to do is get this one working. Yeah, this yeah. This one work. Yeah. And, and I have to go and learn the new rules in New York and I have to do yeah. that. Yeah, okay. The, the, first, the first one is get this one working. So Definitely. it has a built a reputation. Uh, and so it's, 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 there's lots of people doing similar things in New York. And what right do I have to do it? And the only right I have is with the original Soho. And we're going to tell them what Soho is meant, what, what Soho looks like. Okay. So, um, so um, but... So, but it's a dream. I don't mean it's, it's not wishy-washy dreams. But you know, Master Luther King was a dream. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I'm not talking about wishy-washy shit. I'm just saying 
for me, the difference between a dream and an ambition is the dream has a bigger charm, fun factor yeah. uh, to it, whereas the ambition is much more focused and driven. Okay, okay. And, so, uh, and for me, an ambition is something I wake up with every day. Yeah. Uh, and uh, generally speaking, I'm working towards it in one way or another. We're quite um, narrow tunnel vision. Okay. Um, anyway, I'm being negative, but just through focus. Yeah. Whereas the dream is much bigger. The dream is much more. I'm not going to make any rules about the dream. Yeah. And, uh, and as it moves closer and comes into starts to manifest, it will take its shape. Okay. And that will be partly to do with what I know from here, and partly to do with what New York wants to tell me. Yes, true, true. Uh, so yeah, I'm not. Yeah. Okay. But it doesn't mean to say it's not going to happen, will it? Oh, yeah, we know this is going to happen. I've yeah. been talking to you for nearly two hours. I can tell you already it's going to happen. But if you want to, you know, it's that it's short because I did actually write it in my paper. I told you I wrote this little paper called Pish Bash Bosh. Yeah. Uh, turning dreams into reality is what, you know, what, what my shorthand for what my job is. is yeah. Uh, people, people have well, fantastic, honey, fantastic dreams. Now, you tell me a better job description than that. Well... Well, there, there isn't one. If exactly. But, but yeah, it's a nightmare when it doesn't. So, um, but um, yeah, no, it's okay. good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's true. Okay. If you could have a superhero power, what would it be? Um, massive, um, unbridled, completely... Um, mesmerising love. Thank you. Would it you... would save all of this work. Okay. Okay. As a maverick, apart from going, like, I know you like going for walks and I know you like writing the plays and stuff, but what do you do for fun? What's that? You know, you said you like to chill. What is fun? What do you do? Are you like a, the sort of person who jumps out of an aeroplane? No, I do that every day. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, I do that every day. I do. That's the nature of the business. That's the yeah. nature of the work. I jump yeah. up, I jump up just every day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't need that kind of fun. I really yeah. don't. No, okay. I like empty places. I like. I don't know if you know Bobby Marsh, Dungeness. Yeah, yeah. Kind of places. That's what I love to do. Um, just be in. Really, you know, what you're getting. From the sounds of it, of rolling off that mountain, it's just I just love the stillness. Okay. Uh, of of somewhere like Robin Marsh in the winter, in December it's cold, it's sort of mist, it's empty, it's all, you know the pumps and places are done up for Christmas, but there's no one there. Yeah. It's really romantic, really romantic in the most beautiful, natural way. I love that. Okay. I love it. So. That's what I, that, that's, that's where I go to. If I do, just take a long weekend uh, okay. somewhere, it'd be lovely down there. You'll get, you know, you'll have some time out with uh, my wife and and do that. And I'd love to have time to do that with the rest of my family. Actually, I feel I've neglected for a very long time. Right. So, so it's those kind of things which we, uh, I find is as uh, uh, rejuvenating. Okay. If you had to give me one quote that defined you as a maverick, what would it be? Uh, the, the 
quote I grew up with, the thing that was always in my head. Yeah. Before, before I ever heard it from anyone else, I'm clearly it's well used phrase now, but it's whatever it takes. Love it. Absolutely love it. That's my that's, that was my life motto for until, for as long as you know, until I got bored with it and stopped thinking about it. But it always has been. Okay. Um, final question: What would you like to have been asked that I haven't asked you? <laughs> um, how do you? Well, what would I like to be asked? Um, what the fuck am I going to? I've been invited to run. A session, innovation session, right, with five hundred people, yeah, at an awards do, yeah, and I have no fucking idea how to do that. Oh, I, I've got ideas running in my head already. Okay, okay. it's got to deliver. You see, it's against the clock. It's got to deliver these five hundred good people in terms of the you know work I do. Okay. Um, um, it's good, it's great in every world, but the invitation is in a way brilliant. So I have been invited to do that. Yeah. Um, but for me, if I go to whatever it takes, it's fine, I just say yes, work it out. Yeah. Um, but I have to, because there are 500 people, um, all of which are in my world. Yeah. Just maybe fringe. Um, of my world, it's really important that I get that right. Okay. And uh, and so getting right means be able to see the outcome. Yeah. And bring people to it, and so they enjoy it too. Okay. Uh, and, and so it's, it's just, so I don't know what the question is. Um, the question might be, why would I want to do that? Okay. okay. But you know already, don't you? Why you would want to do it? Yeah. Yeah. For me, I don't know why I want to do it. Brilliant people, brilliant crowd, great publicity, nice thing to do. But then, yeah, you just let your hair down, you know, okay. thing like that, and go for it. Okay. Uh, but the, the challenge is 500 people. It's uh, just, honey, honey, it's just a number. <laughs> right, what I'm going to do, Robin, is I'm going to switch off the recorder yeah. and just tell you what I'm doing, okay? And then I'll tell you what ideas are jumping into my head. So thank you for letting me interview you. I think you rock. I love it. I love it. Right, let me press stop. Stop yeah. there and... <coughs> Done.